Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Oh, check one, two. Come on, somebody. Amen. Glory to God. It is awesome to be in the house of God this evening. David said if he could have one thing. He said, Lord, if I could only ask one desire, it is to be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, what kind of person would say, if I could do anything, it would be to come to church? I'll tell you who says something like that. It's somebody who comes into the house of the Lord and they see something. He said, I want to be in the house of the Lord so I can behold his beauty. And that is our prayer this evening that you would be able to see the grace and the mercy of God for your life. And we're going to believe God to help us this evening. Amen. Uh, Brother John Scheidt, uh, God was kind of dealing with me a bit, amen, and just speaking to me and reminding me about Isaac, how he redug the wells of his father. And the phrase that came to my mind is a fresh stream. And uh, amen, I believe that what God's going to do for you, brother, is in your Bible reading, in your study, you're going to be going over some old truths, you're going to be going through your Bible like you always have, and things are going to begin to pop in a new way. It's going to be so fresh. You're actually going to feel moments like a new convert. Moments like, man, I got, I, give me a bullhorn. I mean, it's just going to hit you in such a special way that you're just going to worship God. You're going to say, God, thank you for your word. It is spirit. It is life. Uh, amen. Uh, and that's what I believe God is going to be doing for you soon. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our Bible verse this Evening is going to be Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 in the word of God. We're going to go there. Amen. And believe God to help us. Uh, My friend right here, you're in a gray shirt with the collar. Could you raise your hand just right here? Yep, that's you. Yes, okay. What God spoke to me to tell you is that like a large ship has a rudder. The rudder is not very big in comparison to the uh, vessel itself. But little things make a big difference. And on the negative side of this, there are some bad decisions we could make. And then we look at life and say, this is not fair. This is like way too much load to bear just because of a misstep. But it's also in the righteous things of life. And I believe the Holy Spirit would want to encourage you to remind you that if you make small decisions that are right, it kind of it's like that rudder, like a big ship. You just turn it a little bit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's like that little notion, that little set of the heart towards the things of God. It might not feel big to you. You might not feel like uh, fireworks and angels singing around you, but you're going to make decisions 
that say, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to make some changes. And it's not going to be with a lot of fanfare, but it's going to have powerful impact in the future fruit that you get to bear from sowing good seeds. Amen. And so I hope that helps you out this evening. Let's give God a clap offering of praise. Hallelujah. I better start my timer. I think I just got an extra five minutes from the Lord. Praise God. I've got a few pictures that I want to show y'all. We were in India uh, for, amen, about two and a half years. And um, if you could go to the first one with the lady laying on the bed, they asked us to go to a hospital and pray. And so this uh, precious woman here on the left, these are her children. They asked us, she had had a stroke. She had not been able to sit up or speak. She had not been able to eat on her own for about six weeks. And so they asked us, amen, to come and pray for her. And I began to speak with the son and daughter, and they were a Catholic family. I asked them, do you believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? Yes, we do. Do you believe that he lived a sinless life and that he was working miracles, raising the dead? And that he died on the cross and that he rose from the grave. And they said, yes, we believe all of that. I said, well, are you saved? And they looked at me and they said, we don't know what saved is. And so I was able to share the gospel with them and say, I believe God's going to heal your mom. But God also wants to do a miracle in your house, in your heart, and in your soul. And they prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We prayed for mom, and she was a bit frail, a little bit older, amen, to begin with, but uh, we were able to help her sit up, and I said, ma'am, I'd like you to speak, and for the first time in six weeks, she looked at her daughter and said, I love you. (laughs) She was able to sit up on her own. The daughter began to weep because what she shared with us later is, When, amen, she had asked us to pray, she thought that we were going to come and do the last rite. She was convinced her mom was going to die. She was full of anxiety and tension. And when she saw her mom speak, which was really awesome that her mom spoke to her, but those words set her free. It was like a burden, amen, was lifted off of her shoulders. And in that moment, we were able to see the power of the gospel to bring forgiveness and salvation to bring physical, miraculous healing, but also to bring peace to a broken mind, to bring hope to a heart that had been crushed in despair. And because of that miracle that everybody in that hospital was able to witness, they asked us to pray for other people. We ended up there over three and a half hours 14 people gave their life to Jesus Christ, and there were 12 miracles of healing. You can go to the next picture. Amen. The next photo, one of the people that we prayed for is this gentleman in the striped shirt. I wish I could tell you all the stories, but he, amen, every night at midnight as he was trying to sleep, he would have these voices start to bombard him. He would have these night terrors. Sometimes it was a seductive voice, uh, sometimes a child's voice, sometimes a very demonic. And so I was able to share the gospel with him. He prayed to ask Jesus Christ to forgive his his sins. Uh, We laid hands on him and we cast the devil out of his spirit. Come on, somebody. You know, my first phone call the next day 
was to this guy and he says, Pastor, I slept perfectly. Three months later, we followed up with him. He was still having good rest, giving glory to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The next picture, amen, is a couple that asked me to pray for him. He had severe migraines and a lot of problems in his stomach and digestion. One of our wonderful ministries in India was that we were able to teach many people what TMI means. Y'all know what TMI is? Too much information. I mean, I would say, hey, how can I pray for you? Oh, pastor, my stomach. And they'd start telling us how it was coming out and when. And like, wait, 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 bro. I don't need to know all that. The Lord knows. So we just gave it a nickname. We called it Bubble Guts. Just say, hey, man, this is just going to be a package for anything you're feeling in there. Praise God. And so I said, look, I believe that God wants to heal your body. He's going to. But God also wants to help your heart. He wants to help your marriage. And I said, is there anyone that you might be angry with that you need to forgive? And he said, Pastor, absolutely I won't forgive her. She's the reason I have headaches and stomach problems. (laughs) I looked at her, I said, sis, are you willing to forgive your husband? She said, absolutely not. He's stupid, that's why I give him headaches. I said, this is above my pay grade. I'm calling Pastor Garrett, amen. I said, look, if you're willing to try, believe that God will help you. And you know what? They both decided to pray and forgive each other. We laid hands on him. The pain completely left. And this is her flirting with him, I think, for the first time in 15 years. (laughs) I got one more picture. And this is the nurse. And sorry, it's kind of dark, but... She was, uh, she was mad-dogging me the whole time. And she, I asked her, I said, why are you so upset with me? She said, you are in my way. I'm trying to work. I said, come on, girl. I'm making your job easier. What are you getting after me for? And so when she was leaving, we were there so long, she was getting off shift. When we were leaving, that's her husband. He's a police officer. I said, please study this face. I might need your help one day. And uh, so he, he's there picking her up, and, and she said, you've been aggravating me so much today, and I just, I'm sorry, ma'am. She says, but my back hurts so bad. She sat down. Her husband got to see her leg grow out about an inch, uh, and she was completely healed. All the pain was gone. Can we give God a clap offering of praise? I share these testimonies, amen, this evening, because what I was able to experience while we ministered to these people were different facets and dimensions of the gospel. People were being ministered to by the word of God and by the truth of Jesus Christ in multiple areas of their human experience. And what I want to share with you, amen, this evening is the whole gospel for the whole person. And this is God's promise to you and I, starting in Mark chapter 1, amen, verse 14. It says, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now I want you to lock your mind on that phrase, the gospel of the kingdom, because the gospel is good news. But it's good news from another dimension. It's good news from another realm, amen. We are blessed to be on planet earth where God has given us an abundance, amen, of resources, amen, and things to explore, things to enjoy. Aren't you glad that the law of economics means Two plus two equals four when you're buying something and when you're selling something. I mean, there are laws of physics and laws of gravity that we can study. We can learn how to work with them so we can prosper. 
But the gospel of the kingdom is not the gospel of science and economics, uh, amen, that we, amen, have to function with here on earth. Matter of fact, you want to get uh, gospel of the kingdom economics, you take two fish for plus five loaves of bread and you feed 20,000 people. All of a sudden, things start getting flipped upside down. Anybody here ever heard about Jesus walking on water? So I got a question for you. Did the water turn into concrete? Did, did it turn into a pillow and he was walking like this? Was he just levitating, defying gravity? I mean, how did he accomplish that? I don't know either. And I don't care. I just know that when Jesus needs to walk on water, amen, he is not subject to the laws of the planet earth. He is functioning with the laws of the spirit of life, amen, through the gospel of the kingdom. So I want that to be in your mind and in your spirit that God is not subject to the things that you and I have to function with. He's outside of time and space, uh, amen, and even our amazing science says that he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying that the time is fulfilled. Can everybody say it's time? Why is Jesus using this language? He's saying the time is fulfilled because it is our tendency for manana. It's our tendency to be waiting to say, well, things aren't working out exactly the way and I can't make sense of everything that's going on right now, so I'm going to wait for my obedience. I'm going to wait to, for what I need to do. When we were in College Station, Texas, we would go to a place called Chicken Oil. Some great chicken. And as we would walk in, they had this sign. And the sign said, free beer. Big old neon sign. It said, free beer tomorrow. And we would just laugh. One day there's a college kid in, a, in line behind us and he's like, free beer tomorrow? And he told his friend, bro, bro, there's going to be free beer here tomorrow. He was the first one in line the next day. He walked in, he was ready, and he got in and he read the sign. He said, free beer tomorrow. Here's the problem. We do that to God all the time. Yes, Lord. Tomorrow. But Jesus said the time is fulfilled. Then he said the kingdom is at hand. And he said that because we have a tendency to think that things are so far off. But Jesus is saying the time is now. The kingdom of God is here. Amen. And it's time to make a move. And what he says is our first move is to repent. Repent means to change direction and to change your ways. There was a man, and he was pretty familiar with his route that he would drive every morning. And so he would go, and it was kind of early, so there wasn't a lot of traffic. He'd get up to the stop sign, and he'd just slow down, and then he would zoom through. One day, a police officer caught him, pulled him over, and said, hey, you can't be doing this. And the guy's like, I'm sorry, I just, I wasn't thinking, can you please give me uh, some grace here? And the guy's like, yeah, it's a warning, but don't do it again. The next day, the guy's going to work, and he pulls up to the stop sign, he slows down, and then he just zooms through, the cop pulls him over. And the guy starts crying, saying, please, sir, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm going to change my ways. And the cop said, okay. Gave him a warning. Next day, y'all know what happened. Zoomed through, cop pulled him over, and he says, listen, man, I got to write you a ticket. And the guy said, listen, sir, at least I slowed down. The cop pulled him out of the car, pulled out his baton, and started beating him. Boom, 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 boom. And the guy said, stop it, stop it. 
And he said, you want me to stop or you want me to slow down? (laughs) Repentance means stop it. Quit it. And then he says, believe the gospel. Put your faith and your hope. This word believe means to cling to. It means to rely upon. It means to cast your entire life. It means to gamble it all on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what is the gospel? The gospel is a provision from God for every one of our needs. Now I have this other picture that we can leave up and you might be familiar with Hoover Dam. And this photo really captured my attention because all of the resources and everything that's needed for the community is behind that concrete wall. There's fresh water that's generating, it's got turbines and it's generating energy. And so all of the provision for the community is there waiting. And what Ephesians 1.3 says is that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Can y'all help me out a little bit? With how much spiritual blessing? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Every spiritual blessing. Listen, if you don't get anything else, I want that to drop into your spirit. God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing. The provision has been made. But I don't know about you, but I don't live in heavenly places. It says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord, for an account with, a, amen, blessings and with provisions for me. But I don't live in heavenly places. I need it here on earth. And that is the challenge of our repentance and our walk with God. The challenge of our faith is taking the provision and the blessing of God that he has prepared for us, allotted for us, put our name on, and bring it out of heavenly places into our human experience. In other words, we are praying every day, your kingdom come, your will and provision and power and anointing and grace and gospel benefits be done right in my life as it is in heaven. Can you say amen? In other words, we need to look at this treasure chest. I want to look at a scripture with you. And this is a treasure chest of God's promises. This is the provision. Isaiah chapter 53. The Bible says, this is Jesus on the cross. Preparing and providing for us everything that we need. Amen. It says, surely he has borne our sicknesses. And our griefs. He has carried our pains and sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Anybody here ever been afflicted before? Anybody ever been misunderstood up in here before? Says that he was misunderstood. He was, amen, not honored. He was not respected, but... We considered him smitten by God and afflicted, verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Jesus Christ on the cross. By his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. 
Now, for the purpose of this message, I'm not able to unpack all of that. But what you have right there is a treasure chest, amen, of God's provision and promises for you in your spiritual life. He was, amen, smitten. He was rejected. This is uh, what we experience when we're in sin, when we're in rebellion against God, uh, when we are trying to do things in our own power, in our own way. We hit this wall of frustration. We feel like God is a million miles away. Jesus, uh, amen, experienced separation from the Father for one moment of all time and eternity, amen, so that he could take upon himself our rejection. Why? So that you and I can be accepted. So that you and I could have a reconciled relationship with our heavenly father. Amen. Here is uh, Jesus taking our spiritual, amen, brokenness, uh, our transgressions and our iniquities. Transgressions are things that you do that violate God's word. Iniquity is not something you do. It's what you become when you walk in sin. You ever met somebody who tells too many lies? You ever known somebody and they just, they lie when they don't even need to lie? It's, it becomes the auto response. Anytime they need to deflect, anytime they need to protect themselves. It's how they navigate life is by being dishonest, leaving out facts, uh, causing confusion in the situation so they can try to escape some of the responsibility. It's not just that they told a lie and then they made it right and they, you know, maybe said, nah, let me fix this. No, no, no. They lie so much that they become a habitual liar. The word iniquity is where we get the word addiction. It's when you become addicted or attached, uh, amen, to certain negative behaviors. Uh, and so Jesus absorbed that in himself on the cross. Why? So that you could experience a spiritual salvation, forgiveness of your sins. Not just forgiveness of your sins, but the cleansing of all unrighteousness. Can y'all help me out one more time? How much unrighteousness? That means that through the blood of Jesus Christ, every sin you ever committed can be forgiven. That means the stain and the shame and the guilt and the weight and the pressure, amen, from those addictions, they can be broken. It's a spiritual salvation. It also speaks of a salvation of the mind. It says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. He was disciplined. He was punished. Even though Jesus Christ never committed a sin. How many of y'all know the Pastor Scribner way of disciplining your kids? Amen. My wife and I came from a kind of broken home, so we didn't really know how to raise kids. So we read No Foolishness. Pastor Rob Scribner set us free. You're not, you don't do it in anger, but you're going to have to bring a consequence when there's a negative behavior. So you bring your, your child and you say, uh, listen, uh, you have uh, done something foolish. I love you. You're a good boy. But your decision to throw a rock at your brother's head and give him a slice in his skull and cost me $400 and five staples. You're a good kid and I do love you, but that was a foolish choice. And the Bible says that foolishness abounds in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. So I, don't, I kind of preach, I guess. I'm just a preacher. And so I said, look, and so you spank him. 
And then, no, 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 you better calm down. And then when they get control of themselves, you say, I love you. But next time you say no to your foolishness so that I don't have to spank it out of you. Can I get a witness? Can I at least have some parents, amen, say amen in the house? The chastisement is for the negative behavior, but the peace comes at the end when you hug them and say, but I love you, let's move forward. And so we're talking about the whole gospel. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 23 tells us about this whole gospel. Now my grandmother, she passed away about eight or nine years ago. We were written into the will and I was aware of this, but when she passed away, I did not walk out the next morning and find a check on my porch. What we had to do is we went to Colorado. All she had was a house. It had to get sold. And so we went, we helped clean it up. We did some repairs. My auntie had to deal with the lawyer. She had to deal with the, the realtor. They, they did all of these things. And eight months later, after a process of time, a check came. It always was a part of my inheritance. It had my name on it. But there was a process to walk in in order to make it a reality for my experience. The hope this evening is that by faith, uh, you can be made aware of the things that have been freely given to you by God, and by faith, you can believe them, receive them, and we can have a miracle done in our lives tonight. What he says is, he says, may the God of peace himself. May the God of peace himself. That means you have direct access to the Lord Jesus Christ. That God himself is willing to work in your life. God himself is willing to get involved in the issues and the burdens and the stress of your life. The one we call Jehovah Rophe, the God who heals, is willing to be a doctor you can talk to directly. The God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now, I really like this thing where y'all are helping me out. So how much is he sanctifying us? Es todo. <laughs> All of it. God himself is interested in every area of our life. It's not just that we come and pray a prayer and get saved and then we're just left to our own devices trying to figure things out and fix our broken lives. He's saying that he will get involved to sanctify us completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a spirit. Well, actually, you are a spirit. You are a spirit. That's your actual identity made in the image of God. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. The whole gospel is for the whole person. This means that there are spiritual issues that you may be battling. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But God has given us a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. Here is Paul, amen, tutoring, mentoring, helping Timothy, saying, listen, the stuff you're battling in your mind isn't just you, bro. The anxieties and the stress that you feel and these things that you're facing as you try to move forward in God, it's not just your failures or your family's fault. There is a demon spirit. His name is fear, and he wants to oppose your progress in your faith. There's a spirit, amen, of heaviness. 
that Psalm 61 talks about, that as you put on the garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness is pushed back. One man said that gratitude and misery cannot take place in the same heart. That when you begin to worship God, when you put on a garment of praise, when you begin to speak, uh, amen, the promises of God, when you begin to worship him with your lips, uh, amen, that something happens in your heart through gratitude, uh, that that heaviness begins to get pushed back. My point this evening is that God has given us victory and dominion over spiritual forces of darkness uh, that want to, amen, prevent you from your destiny. God has a victory in the spiritual realm. I want to read a quote from Mike Bickle. It's a little more lengthy than I like to use, but it's worthy this evening. He said, Satan erects every stronghold he can in our minds to keep us from the true knowledge of God. To the degree that he is successful, we will not enjoy an intimate relationship with the Lord. We will not come to know for ourselves the loveliness and excellence of God's personality. The result is that our emotional lives will not be released into full affection for God. A stronghold in the mind is a spiritual fortress made up of wrong thoughts, a fortified dwelling place where demonic forces can hide and operate against us. The ideas and thoughts make, that make up the stronghold are based on lies that challenge the truth of what God has revealed about himself. In other words, it's not just a spiritual battle, but there's also a battle in your mind and in your emotions and in your will. That's what the Bible calls your soul. Do you know that there is provision in the gospel for your soul to be made whole? That you can have victory in your mind. You can have dominion in your thought life. You can come to a place where you capture every thought. I know how some of y'all are. One intruding thought can turn into a 700-page novella. (laughs) One person looks at you funny and you're like, I'm about to show them. Ask me after service. I'll tell you what Pastor Parker used to say about funny looks in in church. I, I can't say it over the pulpit, but praise the Lord. In other words, you can come to a place where you can get dominion over the fleeting thoughts, capture them, cast them down, and cause your mind to obey, amen, what God says about you, about the world, about eternity. Also, your emotions. The devil did not create your emotions. God created your emotions. But emotions are meant to be fuel for our will, not to rule our will. You take gasoline and you put it in the tank of your car and it is incredible what it does. The thing drives, it goes, it carries a load. Uh, It's going through the piston, it's going through the engine, it's got a purpose, it's focused. But you take that same gasoline and you spray it all over the ground, it's a danger zone. Amen. Your emotions are to fuel your will, not rule your will. Some of y'all got your emotions in the front seat driving. Jesus is in the trunk because you don't want to go to hell, but you don't want to hear him talking about what you need to do or where you need to go. And your will is in the back seat. We need to reverse the order. Jesus needs to be in the driver's seat. Your will needs to be in the passenger seat. And your emotions need to be in the back seat. 
Some of y'all are like, I wish I could just kick them out the car. Well, no, that's not how God created you. Amen. And then your will. Has anybody here ever been at an altar before? Said, God, I want to serve you with all my heart. Then you leave the building and things fall apart. You do things you wish you didn't do. There are things you told God you wanted to do, but you didn't do them. Am I the only one? What's the issue? The issue is the breakdown of the will. And the gospel has made provision for you to be empowered within your soul uh, to be healed, to be repaired, to be, amen, brought to a place of dominion so that you can make decisions and follow through with them for the glory of God. I want to close with a story. I was in Venezuela. And this precious woman, she comes up to me and she's like, Pastor, I've got this horrible pain. It's in my abdomen. It's a female-related issue. She said, I've been to the doctor multiple times. They don't know what it is. And all they do is give me more and more pain medication. I'm sick of it. I said, ma'am, I believe with all my heart God's going to heal you. But I also think that God wants to heal your heart. And I said, is there anyone that might be upsetting you or bothering you or who's let you down in your life that you need to forgive? And when I said that, she clenched her wrists. She said, Pastor, you don't understand. She said, I just want to serve God. She said, I've been saved five years. She was in her late 60s. Isn't that awesome you can get saved later in life? She said, I stopped smoking. I don't drink. I don't cuss. She said, I'm faithful to my husband now. She says, I don't even watch soap operas anymore. I said, Lord Jesus, we got a miracle on our hands. Some of y'all are like, what's a soap opera? It's TikTok for old people, a bunch of immorality and a waste of time. (laughs) She said, Pastor, I've been living for God and that's all I want to do. But every time I come to church, my husband is harassing me. He curses me. He says these horrible things to me. And I said, listen, I believe that if you're willing to try, God will help you. And it was so powerful. She said, I will forgive him. I prayed for her and church. I wish you could see her face. Pastor, I had her pressing her stomach. She says, oh my gosh, it feels so much better. It's almost all gone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. She turned around, she was leaving. I said, no, 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 girl, get over here. I said, hold up. I said, did Jesus die halfway on the cross? I said, did Jesus only forgive half of your sins? She says, no, what are you saying? I said, well, let's not be satisfied with half a miracle. I said, I wanna pray against the devil who happens to be a stinking bully. He's a harasser. He is a trespasser. He is a squatter. And we're about to tell him to pack up, back up and get on out of here. Right before I prayed for a second time, I got real inspired. And I said, ma'am, when you go home, I want you to give your husband the biggest vessel you ever gave him. Biggest kiss ever. And she looked at me crazy. That was the first time I was called huero loco. (laughs) And I said, and I want you to tell him that you're sorry. If looks could kill, I wouldn't be here today. She came running to me in the next service at the prayer meeting. And she said, Pastor, Pastor, as soon as my lips touched his cheek, and I said, cheek, hold on, girl, I said a big kiss. I said, never mind, never mind, you do you, whatever, whatever. 
She said, as soon as my lips touched his cheek, all the pain left. (laughs) And she said, Pastor, I have a surprise for you. And through the doors walked a man who swore he would never, ever come to that church. And her husband got saved that day. (laughs) This is the whole gospel. She received a physical miracle the doctors couldn't figure out. Her emotions, her mind, uh, amen. How many of you Christians know you're supposed to forgive people? And then we forgive and then we get mad again and then our mind is like, what's wrong with me? And all of those mind battles, she was just delivered. The spirit of heaviness and oppression, I watched it lift off her. It was so glorious. So here she is in her spirit, uh, in her physical body, in her mind and in her emotions and Beloved, can I share with you what I feel might be the greatest miracle she experienced? Now, look, I would never, ever say that women are stubborn. I'd never say they're strong-willed, amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Pastor Webb might say that, but I don't ever say that. (laughs) But this is a miracle of God. She didn't want to forgive. But she said, okay. And she actually told her husband, I'm sorry for nagging you. I'm sorry for making you feel like you're never good enough. It was the work of the gospel in her total personality. And God got involved. There were financial ramifications. There was marital ramifications. And God has, amen, a wonderful treasure chest of promises. A provision for you and I. Let's bow our heads in the presence of God.